Good morning again. We're so glad you guys are here with us. I hope that you have power. Uh, if you don't, I apologize. And so we were without power the other night for about nine hours. Uh, you forget how good a hot shower is, right, Till you can't take one. And so I hope you guys are recovering. I would say if you're watching online, but you may not have power. So just if you're watching later, we're, no, we're praying for you. We hope to see you soon. Uh, and so this week has been a crazy week. Do you ever have like weeks where you like, I get here and I'm like, I feel like we were just here yesterday. Like it just is one of those weeks where it's been kind of chaotic, but we're so glad you guys are here. Uh, Easter is just a few short weeks away. Um, and so we're getting prepared for that and excited for that. And so in the meantime, before we get into Easter, uh, we are going to do something a little different. We don't do this very often. Uh, we are going to take some time and we are going to study one particular uh, book of scripture together. Uh, and so we are going to do a five-week series on the book of James. It is one of my favorite books uh, in the Bible or letters in the Bible, I should say. And, and so every week I kind of leave you guys with teasers about what we're going to talk about next week. Well, not this series. You can just read ahead. You can see what we're going to talk about. And James is one of these amazing books. Um, I love it. It's a very practical book. Uh, we've named this title, the series Faith That Works, because we all have faith or want to have faith. And sometimes we find ourselves in these places where we feel like we have faith, but what do we do with that? And so this is going to be a very practical five weeks about what we do with this faith that we found ourselves in. Now, one of the things that I love about the story that we see in James um, is James that writes this letter is widely believed and most believe that he was actually the brother of Jesus, like the actual physical uh, brother of Jesus. And, and what's fascinating about that is when we see and are interested in James early on in Jesus' life, James thinks that Jesus is crazy, right? Um, you have a sibling that you think is crazy? Okay, imagine your sibling saying they're the son of God. You might think they're a little crazy, right? And, and listen to this, in Mark chapter 3, it says this, and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind, right? You ever everybody you said that about? So that was said about Jesus. Uh, and then in John 7, 5, it says this, for not even his brothers believed in him. And so what we see in this story is we see this guy who grew up with Jesus. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, one of the things that you probably have heard about or need to know is that we see like the birth story of Jesus. He kind of pops up in the scene around 12 years old. And then we don't see anything else about Jesus until he's around 30 years old when his ministry starts. But James, the brother of Jesus, saw all of this and experienced all of this. And that's why he's such a fascinating person to me. The other reason he's so fascinating for you guys that doubt faith or have trouble with faith or have trouble with the Bible or that um, what we see about James is really fascinating. So we see in Scripture that when he first is kind of around Jesus, when Jesus starts his ministry, he doesn't believe. In fact, he thinks that Jesus is out of his mind. And then what we see after he sees his brother die, and then he sees his brother eating beach, breakfast on the beach with some friends and in a room with friends, his, his faith starts to shift to the point that we see that in Acts chapter 1, that, that Jesus and, and James, or James' brother James and his mother and his other brothers are in this room with the other church leaders. We see in Acts chapter 15 that James is not only participating, that he's actually leading the church for Jesus. And this is kind of this interesting story about a guy who, who, who starts off with his brother and he's like, ah, I don't know about that, and then becomes one of the leaders. And I think it's so fascinating because we actually see that James actually dies, and he dies a martyr's death, which he dies going to his grave believing that his brother was the son of God. And the reason I find that so fascinating is because I want you just to stop for a second. For those of you that have siblings, 
what would it take for your sibling to convince you that they were the son of God? Think about that one, right? And yet here is James who believes this. There's this part in James chapter 2 we're going to get to where he says, Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And imagine what that phrase meant for James. Can you imagine that he believed that to be the Lord of his life is the kid that he had once slept beside, the boy that he had once had at his dinner table, played with with their friends, spoke to like a brother, all of these things. Then eventually he believes that Jesus endures his unbelief, paid the debt for his own sin, and then brought him into the faith. It's an amazing story of an amazing man. And he gives us this letter that's just full of practical information. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to cover this. And some of the things we're going to cover is the ideas of how we wrestle through our faith and and not only having it, but believing it enough to actually do something about it. And we're going to talk about things like what happens when it gets tough in our faith and how do we act and how do we treat people and what should our lives look like. And James is going to guide us through all of that in this amazing letter that he writes us that we still read today. Essentially, this all is about a faith that works. Now, the reason I think it's important to talk about this is because we talk about quite frequently, uh, life is hard. I get it. Um, And there are times in life where life seems to be even harder. In fact, some of us, we've had days or weeks or seasons, and maybe you're in one of those seasons, where you just kind of look around and you see all of the chaos, you see all of the stuff that you're going through, you see all the stuff that other people are going through, and you kind of have this moment, and I just had one of these recently where I just said, what's going on? Like, what are we actually doing? Like, what are we doing as human beings? Because whatever we're doing does not seem to be working. And we think about the way that we treat each other, the way we hurt each other. Some of us right now probably are in seasons where we're going through some pretty painful things, whether it's with relationships or it's physically something we're going through, or it's just kind of this season where just things seem to keep happening time and time again. Or maybe you're facing a season in life that some of us face where you just want to quit. You just don't even have the fight in you anymore. You're just ready to give up. Or you turn on the news, you see the destruction of things that happen, you see the political divide in our country, and then you get on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter because you think it's going to make you happier, and it's not, right? It makes it worse. You see the narcissism, that is what it is with most people on those platforms. You see the comments and things we say to each other. You see the pain and hurt we can cause each other. So sometimes it can just be overwhelming and it feels like you're just going through it. For some of us, it's the the idea that we've we've lost loved ones. I mean, even recently, I know several people that have gone through some hard things, losing loved ones in their life. And yet with all of that as kind of the backdrop and all the chaos of the world and the hardships of the world and all of that, you're here. And you find yourself in rooms like this week after week. And you know what you're doing? You're doing what most of us are doing. You're looking for hope. You and I are unavoidably and irreducibly hope-based creatures. We're always putting our hope in something. And we put our hope in all sorts of things. So like right now, you're putting your hope in like church and faith and God and all that. But we put our hope in all sorts of things. Some of us put our hope in our wealth, our body, our relationship, our career. Some of us are misguided and even put it in politicians, right? I mean, we put our hope in things thinking these things are going to fix things or make things feel better. We put our hope in these things, and some of these things are good things. One of my favorite favorite writers one time said, he said, when good things become ultimate things, they'll ultimately become destructive things. 
Sometimes we put our faith in something that's a good thing, but we put our faith in it too much that it becomes the ultimate thing that we put our faith in, and ultimately that thing can turn on us and become destructive. So many of us have been let down in seasons of life because we put our hope in something and it didn't pan out the way that we thought it would. And then comes Jesus. And many of us in this room, I'd say most of us in this room, at least have an interest or have put our faith in Jesus. It kind of guides us and directs us as the type of people that we're becoming. And the idea is that Christian hope is about life-changing certainty about the future, that you believe that things are going to happen and you believe things have happened and that's going to lead things to happen in the future. Now, the reality is, if let's just be honest for a second, for most of us, when we stepped into faith, now, what I'm not talking about is those of us that just grew up in church and we can't remember not going to church. But even those of us that that's our story, the reality is at some point we made our faith hopefully our own faith. And then there's some of us that didn't grow up in that environment, and so we had these moments where we decided we were going to pursue God or pursue faith. And here's what happened, and we've talked about it before. We have these amazing experiences. We put our trust and our faith in Jesus, whether it was at a concert or at a conference or in a church service or wherever it was. And for many of us, like the people last week and the ones we're going to have today, we have this moment where we decide we're going to publicly declare this and we're going to get baptized. And it's this amazing moment. It's this emotional moment. And it's this amazing thing. And in those moments, what we believe, most of us, is that everything's going to change from that moment forward, right? And then you wake up the next morning, and it's still the same, isn't it? You still have the same job. You still have the same spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. Your family's still the same. Some of your problems still seem to be the same. I always remind people whenever we step into faith that it's the beginning of our journey, not the end. Part of the challenge is that Jesus promises that he came to give us new life. And, and the hard part about giving somebody something new is that if they already think they have something, it's hard to give them something that replaces it. But Jesus gives us this promise. He said, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. But again, it's hard to give us something new when we think something we've already got going on is there. I think so much for some of us, a huge part of faith is God trying to help us see that there's something more than just existing. And I think that's where some of us fall into this trap, is we think we're just existing. And now we're saved and existing, not just existing. But I think that Jesus wants to give us so much more. Now, life is full of struggles and life is full of challenges. And so, is there a way that we can work around these challenges and these trials and we can see them in a different light? Is there a way that we can step into some of these moments, these hard moments of life, and instead of finding ourselves more fragile and broken, is there a way that we can find strength in these things? Is there a way that we can find hope in these things, right? And I think this is what James is going to try to tell us and introduce to us today. And I say all that to set up because when I give you the first line of what James is going to say, you're not going to believe it, all right? And here's what he says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you all want to believe that one, right? No, like I have never once faced a trial of any kind and been like, man, this is going to be a great day, right? No, that's the opposite of how we feel. But I think what James is trying to say is, look, that, that all of us deal with this and part of our faith journey is realizing, because again, he's talking to Christians, that even though you're a Christian, even though you've put your trust and your faith in Jesus, 
you're still going to face trials of many kinds. There's still going to be hardships to journey. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea blown and tossed by the wind. And so James gives us this section, I mean, like right from the, it's like the beginning. It's not like halfway through and we're like, he's building us up. It's like from the beginning, he's like, you're going to have all these troubles. Don't let them bother you. It's actually going to make you stronger. Now, we know that, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We know that when we face hard things, it makes us stronger. Nobody going through the hard thing is like, I can't wait to make this stronger, right? I can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome, right? Nobody thinks that. But James does do something. He connects the concepts that don't seem to have a relationship, but many of us know actually do. The idea of joy and knowing what comes after we've gone through those trials. It's this connection between realizing what comes after we go through it. Now, I have a sense that if I asked you to give you top 10 things that give you joy, so if you were just to kind of make a list real quick of the top 10 things that bring joy in your life, trials is not in that one, is it? If I were to give you a list of 100 things that you're joyful for in life, trials isn't in that list, is it? So consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, some of us are actually facing the same crisis problems over and over and over again, right? And there's a whole different scenario for that. So how in the world do we find joy in trials? And he says this, because the testing of your faith, which is a great phrase, by the way. Now, this doesn't mean that God is testing your faith to prove that you don't have it. I think that's what some of us feel like, okay? This actually means that God is testing your faith because he knows you have faith, that, that you're going through some of these things, and it's this testing of your faith because you do have faith. And it's kind of this litmus test of, well, where do we stand, Testing is about seeing if something is real, isn't it? We test things to make sure they're real. People test diamonds to make sure they're real. They test gold to make sure they're real. They test theories to make sure that it's real and that it will stand up to things. See, God's not sending you through trials to show you what you're not. I don't believe that at all. I think sometimes we go through trials so that God can show us who we are, but also who he is. And that's a reshaping of our minds, as we've talked about before. And you may not understand what's inside the, the, the nature of some of these things, but here's what he says. he says. He says, so testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, again, we know this is true. Anybody that's gone through something hard, we know that it develops perseverance. For example, it's the only illustration I know. I'm a runner. Some of you guys are runners, right? If I told you to go out right now and go run a half marathon, you'd be like, no, I'm not doing that, Right? But if you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to put in the hard work, you know that over time, running one mile, then two miles, then three miles, and then you jump to six, it doesn't make any sense, but you do. You go three to six, and then you keep going. You know that over time, that doing this and this hardship on your body eventually develops perseverance. The same thing is true in life. When we go through these hard things, and we will all go through hard things, one of the promises Jesus makes to us all, me included, is that in this world you will see trouble, that we know that as we go through these things, it does develop 
perseverance. Now, I will tell you this, and let's be honest. I have never in my life prayed to God and said, dear God, give me more perseverance. I've prayed to be taller. I've prayed to be thinner, better looking, smarter, more successful. I've prayed that everything the bad would just go away. I've prayed lots of things. I'm sure you have too. But I very rarely have prayed for perseverance. You know, God, what I'd really like today is just a little bit more perseverance. But the reality is, all of us in this room know that that's what we need sometimes, isn't it? We need the ability to stand up to these things, to endure these things, right? Because if you're going to live the life that God created you to live, you're going to have to learn to persevere. You're going to have to learn to find strength and resilience. Because the life that you long for is not around your trials. There's always going to be trials, One of the things that I've learned over the years as I've gotten older is sometimes the life that God wants us to live, and this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, um, sometimes the life that God wants us to live can only happen when we step through the hard things, not around them. So as hard as that is for some of us to hear, God's not trying to always get you to avoid everything. Sometimes he's wanting you to look things straight in the eye. So he goes on to say, so the testing of your faith develops perseverance, all right? Perseverance must finish its work in you. And the reason it must finish its work in you is he says, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? And and that sounds great. When we think about faith, when we think about who we are as people, we want to be mature, right? Most of us, right? And complete. And we don't want to lack anything. And and so here's what James, he's giving us this really practical thing. He says, you're going to go through these things. You're going to have to develop this perseverance because when you develop perseverance, what you find out is that it helps you grow as a person. It helps you become more complete as a person. And it helps you kind of have this idea that where you can survive these things, you can endure these things. And so you're not lacking anything. N.T. Wright in his commentary on James when I was studying for this, here's what he says. It's a great quote. He says, when a Christian is tested, it shows something real is happening. There are many kinds of tests, actual persecution, which many face today, fierce and nasty temptations, which can strike suddenly when we're not expecting them, physical sickness or bereavement, family or financial troubles, and so on. Those who follow Jesus the Messiah are not simply supposed to survive. Again, this is the idea of God showing us there's more to life than just surviving and existing. They are, and I love this, they are supposed to count, to make a difference in the world whether through the quiet daily witness of a faithful and gentle life or the chance given to some to speak and act in a way which reveals the gospel to many others. For all that we need to become strong to face up to the challenge. And so what James is introducing is there's got to be this real faith. This real faith that has the ability to stand up to these things. This real faith in your life that allows for it to count. So many of us, we've been hurt by the past. We've been wounded by past experiences. And many of us are walking around damaged. And we've been trying find, to find ways to make us whole. All right. And then we have this thing where we get introduced into Jesus. And there's this promise that comes with this, to, to believe in Jesus so you don't lack anything, which sounds great. Until we're facing the trial again, right? 
And some of us, this is like the cycle we live in. That's the cycle I live in. So like I go through a trial and then I get through the trial and I'm like, oh, I'm strong again. And God brought me through this and my friends brought me through this and I feel really good about it until the next trial comes, right? And then I'm right back to the beginning, all right? And so James says, well, part of the problem is that some of us, we lack wisdom, right? And I know that, that I'm not saying you're stupid, neither is James, but some of us just lack wisdom, and so what he says, he says, if you lack wisdom, then you can ask for it, all right? But here's the catch. And I think this is where a lot of us get tripped up in our faith, all right? Many of us have prayed or we've asked God for wisdom, right? A lot of us have done that. A couple things. When you asked God for wisdom, first question is this, did you believe that you would actually get it? Or do you just do it because that's what you're supposed to do? See, faith is about this confidence, this, this belief in this. And so for some of us, maybe part of the problem is when we ask God for these kind of wisdom and perseverance, did you actually believe that you were going to get it? And the second thing is, have you asked relentlessly? There's this interesting parable that Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18. And in this parable, there's this judge, and he's kind of this judge over this territory. And there's this woman who wants justice. And so she keeps going to the judge and asking for justice in her situation, and he keeps ignoring her. And the parable tells us that she keeps going day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, and she keeps asking and asking and asking. And eventually the judge says, and this is like how it translates, because you've annoyed me so much, you ever have one of those people in your life? Because you've annoyed me so much, I'm going to give you what you ask. Now, anytime there's a parable, there's a God character and there's an us character. The character that plays God in this story is the judge. And what Jesus says is sometimes you got to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. All right? Jesus says, how much more, as he ends the parable, how much will God more will God give to his children? Or as James says, the God who gives generously. And so when you're facing a hardship, maybe you're facing one right now, maybe you're facing a tough family situation right now, or a tough situation with a diagnosis, or you're tough to face financial situation, or whatever it is that you're facing, what if you took a time out? And you said, okay, I know I'm going to get through this. I believe that I'm going to get through this. But in the meantime, I need some wisdom. And when you ask God for wisdom, you actually believed you might get some. And B, you didn't just do it one time and say, well, I hope that works. There's this ancient promise that I love to remind us of that's made early in the story of God. And then we're reminded of it later by Jesus. And I like to remind people of this promise because if you're in the middle of a trial or something it's important that we remind ourselves that this is where we are. Deuteronomy 31, 6, it says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And even if you're facing a trial, we have to hold on to the belief that God will never leave us or forsake us. The other night after the storm came through, I was sitting outside on Friday night because we didn't have any power. And, and so, um, can I tell you, the world without the internet's weird, isn't it? 
And you're just like, what are we going to do now? Right? But it was like this moment where we had this amazing time. We made our kids eat an MRE. It was, you would have thought it was torture. Uh, it was awesome. And, and so I'm walking outside, and, and the sky actually after the storm passed was amazingly clear. And I'm just looking up at this sky, and I'm just looking, and I don't know if you can see, but Jupiter and Venus, you can see really well in the western sky right now. They're stacked on top of each other for all you astrology nerds, but no, so you don't care. Astronomy, not astrology, because that's a whole different thing. And uh, <laughs> don't be into that. Astronomy, cool. Astrology, whatever. All right, so sometimes I need more caffeine before I talk. And uh, so I'm looking out at the sky, and I'm just seeing how amazing the sky is. And you have these moments, that, I don't know, but you, like, you feel so small in those moments, and what's amazing is the same God that made the ever-expanding universe, this universe that amazes us, is the same God that sustains all things, including you and me, and he makes this promise that if you need something, you can ask for it. We're reminded over and over again in scriptures that God hears the cries of his people. And here you and I are just blips on the radar of space and time. And James says that if you're lacking wisdom as you're going through something hard, just ask God who gives generously to all. The other thing I think about trials is this. See, sometimes when I'm facing a trial, my tendency and maybe yours is to believe that God isn't with us that God's ignoring us, or maybe this is a punishment for something I did, or something somebody else did, or something the country did, or the people did, or whatever this is. And, and many of us, when we face trials, we, we go to this bad place. And what I see over and over again in Scripture, and I see over and over again in, in people as they go through these things, is this reminder that, that when we face these moments, and we feel weak, it's this reminder that, that when something exposes our weakness, those are the moments the scripture tells us that in those moments, that's when God is made strong. The Bible reminds us over and over again that in our weakness, he is made strong because we can't face it on our own. And when God is made strong in the lives of his people, at least in the scripture and at least in the lives of people that I know, you know what happens when God's able to step in and carry us because we can't carry ourselves? Extraordinary things. And so what if maybe the next time you're facing a trial, instead of believing that it's the beginning of something that you're going to have to face, it's going to be this long, dreary, faith-draining thing, what if you believed it was the beginning of something extraordinary? A way for God once again to show up in your life. A way for God once again to come along and show you and prove to you once and for all the promise he made to Moses and those people in Deuteronomy 3 that he will not leave us or forsake us. Maybe sometimes when we face trials, it's just a bigger moment for him to step in if you'll let him. A moment for him to do something in us and with us. And I know that drives us crazy because we want to be in control. Um, here's the thing about control, and you just need to know this about life. You're not in control. In fact, it's scary how few things we actually have control of. And so why would you not turn to a God who says that I'll not leave you or forsake you, that I'll give you the wisdom? He gives us the promise of these things. And so what do we do with this? What if when we face these opportunities, we look at it through the lens that James looks at? 
We look at through this lens of what is God going to do in these moments? How is this an opportunity for me to show and persevere? The other thing I think that's really important as I finish up is, is sometimes when, when we're in these moments, we allow voices to inform us. And, and I love the book of James and I love what James writes in this because here's where I think we have to come back to is there's a God who created and sustains all things, including the universe, which is just so amazing and unbelievable and all of these things. And yet he invites us into this relationship in which we can ask him these questions like, God, give me more wisdom. Help me to understand this. Help me to persevere this thing. And here's the thing. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. There's this thing called the looking glass theory. And it's this idea that you believe about yourself what the most important people in your life believe about you. And you see yourself through that lens. So the question is, what voices are shaping you and telling you who you are and what life is about? And when you face hardship and trials, or just to be honest, when you just face life, what voices are you allowed to shape you and form you? What voices are you allowing to guide you? And part of what I think the faith that we have in Jesus does when we draw close to him in these moments of trials when we draw close to him in moments where we need perseverance, when we need wisdom, when we draw close to him, I think there becomes this still small voice we hear about over and over that tells us who we are, that defines us, that guides us and heals us and brings us to life. I think it's one of the important things about worship. Worship is this moment where we sing these songs, and, and we're not just singing songs to sing songs. It's these moments where we're singing these praises to God. But for some of us, because I've heard you tell these stories, that when you're facing hardships and you're singing these songs, not only do they mean more sometimes, but it's like this calming presence of this still voice speaking into you, saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And you allow God to define you. You allow God's voice to speak into your life to tell you that you do have a future, to tell you that you are loved and that you have value. So don't be surprised when there are bad moments. My brothers and sisters, as James says, when you face trials, it's part of being human. But James also believes that we will persevere, that through our faith, that we will persevere. And we'll come out stronger on the other side. And that if we're lacking the wisdom in those moments to ask God who gives generously. And so here's what's going to happen. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing some songs. And here's what I ask. If you're facing any trials or chaos or uncertainty, maybe this is a moment where you ask for some wisdom. And you just take a few moments and you just pray. And you allow God to speak to you in these moments. And you allow that still, small voice in a room full of people singing songs to speak into your life. Because just like James believed, and I believe, through our faith in Christ, we will persevere. That we can have a faith that actually works. Let's pray.